We welcome everyone on this beautiful Sunday morning. would like now to give time for greetings to the Church. My family is in Ancaster, and they extend greetings as well as uh, Brother Willie and Sister Sigrid. They went as well. Thank you. We also received the email, and he's trying to fit in again. He has some part-time work, uh, and his wife also has part-time work, but financially, the situation is not good over there. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Craig. as well that I was in Avon Road in the afternoon last week and the brethren there extend greetings and we were also in uh, Ancaster for midweek service and the brethren there extend greetings. Thank you. My wife is in Windsor. She gives greetings and Sister Emma had problem with her heating. She stayed home till they fix it. She also gives greetings. Take the church's greetings to those that could not come. If you talk with them and, or the shut-in that you visit, give me the church's greetings. Just some announcements. The focus of the month are work teams to go to the Paraguay school to uh, build and construct things there and to the work teams to New Guinea. Uh, Lord willing, this coming Saturday, there's going to be a mentoring workshop in Strasbourg Church. And uh, those that would like to attend, uh, please sign up downstairs, uh, the posted list. There is a limited number of spots available. Also, downstairs is posted a list for volunteers to uh, shovel the snow, clear the pathways uh, at the church here should it snow and uh, that it should be done before uh, services uh, Wednesday and also Sunday. And we, I also was in Ancaster last night for the testimony and uh, the afternoon church in Ancaster starts at 2 p.m., and Lord willing, they'll have the area sing in Ancaster also, starting around 6 p.m. <clears throat> Let's bow. O Lord God of mercy, pure and holy, of love no one can estimate. We cannot with our finite mind grasp the extent, the magnitude of thy love for us, O Lord, in providing so great a sacrifice and continuing to bless us, O Lord, and bear with us and hold us in thy grace. We humbly pray a blessing upon thy holy word in Jesus' name. I would like to read out of God's Word and meditate with the Lord's help as it is found in a well-known chapter of Matthew, chapter 18. Matthew, chapter 18. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, 
except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name, perceiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed, rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out, cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. How think ye? If a man have an hundred sheep, and one of them began astray, that he not leave the ninety and nine and go into the mountains and seek it that which is gone astray. And if so be that he find it, verily he say unto you, he rejoiceth more over that sheep of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father in heaven, which is in heaven, that one of these little ones should perish. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done of them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am I in the midst of them. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take an account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. <coughs> but for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou Owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. 
So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto the Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgive thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wrought, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your heart forgive not every one his brothers their trespasses. Let's bow before the Lord in prayer. Our gracious Father in heaven, thankful are we this morning as we've gathered, though few in number, though that does not diminish in any way the importance of our gathering. And certainly before thee, Father, we know that where two or three are gathered, thou art in their midst. We have come in thy name to worship thee, to acknowledge that we believe that thou art God, the creator of the universe, and the one who has created us and given us a will and the ability to understand and to search out thy will for us. We believe, Father, it is thy purpose that we gather today and that we set time aside where we can reflect upon thy word collectively as a body, not that we should in any way disregard the doing of, of the same in our own private time, but that there is a special blessing, Father, when we do gather together, the promise that thou art in our midst and that thy spirit is here also, Lord, to speak to us, to be able to open our eyes and our understanding so that we may see the words in the printed page and that they may become alive to us and that we may see ourselves that thou seest us and that we may see the application of what we've read in our own personal lives, the areas in our lives, Father, that are in need of thy grace, in need of the word, in need of the wisdom that can only come from thee. Father in heaven, we ask thee now as we take this time aside that thy word would become alive to us then. We pray that thou would inspire thy servant, give him understanding, put words in his mouth and lips so that he may be able to proclaim thy will for us. We pray for all of us that are present. Thou knowest, Lord, the needs that each of us have, the lives that we live, and the questions that we may have or the doubts and unbeliefs that we may entertain in our minds. And we pray, Father, that if it be thy will this morning, thou would be able to dispel all those things, and thou would be able to reveal thyself again through thy mercy and long-suffering to us, that we may have no doubt in our mind whatsoever about thy will for us in the direction and path that we need to take in our lives. We pray, Father, not just the blessing upon ourselves that are here, but we ask wherever thy word is open across the face of this earth, particularly, Father, we are mindful of the baptism that's about to happen in Lancaster. We pray, Father, that the work there may be a testimony to those that are present. We pray that it may be able to speak to those who do not yet believe and have embraced thee. We pray, Father, for those that are hindered for health reasons that are away from us and are unable to come today. We ask that I would bless them as well. We pray for the teaching that we impart upon the children downstairs. We ask that that seed that is planted in their heart would one day, at the right time in their life, be able to bring forth the fruit to thy honor and glory. We pray, Father, that thou would not in any way become weary of calling and drawing attention to thyself to those who have once known thee, or at least of thy existence, whether they've been taught in Sunday school or whether they've heard it from the pulpit. We pray that thou would continue to seek out those, Lord, that are lost and that thou would draw them unto thyself. This we ask, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This chapter 
In this chapter, Jesus makes some true statements, sobering statements, powerful statements of how the relationship among us should be handled. When one repents, believes, and is converted, that's not the end of it. The fallen human nature causes problems. The word tells us that flesh and blood didn't really repent. It must be kept under. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. And it's the, the spiritual man that is born again. Flesh did not repent, did not convert, neither can it inherit heaven. But while we are here, we are in the body and are subject through it to temptation, and that causes difficulties. <clears throat> One of the things that we need to be aware of it is what caused already the first being to err, and that's pride. Shortly before this account, in the previous chapter, it speaks about the transfiguration, when Jesus Christ was transfigured and Moses and Elias appeared, and three disciples witnessed this. And here, shortly afterward, comes the question, which at several times it's recorded that was discussed among the disciples. Here the question is, they thought it so important even that they came to Jesus and said, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? No doubt they acknowledged that Jesus was greater than they, and that even by the grace of God where they confessed that he is the Son of God. So the question really is, who among them? And it, one of the questions they did say as to who was going to be the greatest. And that in itself causes problems because it's pride that lifts up. It speaks to the gentleness of Jesus Christ that he could call a little child unto him and set him in the midst and you just can imagine the little child in the midst of these grown-ups here and holding close to Jesus, whom the little child trusted and came to him. And Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. So pride keeps people out of the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Oh, the humility and the traits of a little child that are being here pointed to is, you know, first of all, a little child that is humble, trusts his father, does not hold grudges, you know, when you had your own little children, one moment they may be arguing and even crying and so, but it doesn't take much. They're back again playing together. These are the traits that are being pointed to in this passage. But then later on we read in the epistles, <clears throat> don't be like children in understanding, 
in understanding be like men. Be like men. And God really cares for his little children. Whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But then this strong warning, which may seem extreme, in that it says, Whosoever shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned into the depth of the sea. So serious is it when we offend one little one. Now, the word offend, I believe, is much misused nowadays. Offend got to be something very serious. It's not just you're upset or you don't like this. No, offend is very serious. Offend is so serious that it may cause one of the little ones to lose their faith and perish. Because later on, we read after the discourse here says, even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. That's how serious it is. And offense is, is, I believe, rather used loosely nowadays. I'm offended. Offended. If you understand it right, it's something where you lose your faith. Use your faith. It got to be something really serious. Offenses The Bible speaks about giving offense and how serious that is. Sometimes it may be perceived as such and be not really an intention. Say, woe, woe unto the world because of offenses. For it was needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. It's very serious to really offend. We're not talking about just being upset or dislikes, but to really be shaken to the foundation of their conviction. Remember when Jesus spoke some, some words that were tough to understand, and it said, <clears throat> some of the people that were there says, who can take it? Who can take it? And from that time on, many did not follow him anymore. And then he asks his disciples, will you also go? Will you also leave? And Peter answered, where shall we go? To whom shall we go? What does it take, really, for you to be shaken up? For you to say, oh, if that's the way it is, I'm leaving. What does it take? Does it take a hurt? Does it take an insult? And you are offended? Well, it's not the will of the Father that any of the little ones that believe in him, that they should perish. But why would they perish then? If no one can pluck them out of his hand, no one. See, offense, yes, it's very serious to give it, but offense, we can choose to receive it. In Psalm 119, it, it says, if I remember right, great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. If you really trust God, that he's in control, that he's righteous, that he's just, who can separate you from the love of God? Only yourself. 
woe unto the world because offenses, there will be offenses. And really, when we look at it, those things that cause offense, they may be just tests for you of how much you really trust God. They may be tests for you. They may be an opportunity for you to grow and to bear and to pray for that person that caused the offense, that he may turn. You know, <clears throat> there is the word faith is being often used. And perhaps too lightly. And when we speak about faith, we should perhaps also think about faithfulness and trust. Faithfulness and trust. Trusting God. In the following verses, it speaks about offense and causing you to lose your salvation. It says, Woe, okay, wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life or maim, halt or maimed, rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out, cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Why would Jesus use such strong words? No. We need our hands. We need our eyes. And he says, pluck it out. Cut him off. How is this to be taken? Is there something that is causing you a hindrance and may eventually, if you persist, lose your salvation over it and you're not willing to give it up? What are you really willing to give up for the kingdom of heaven? What? Jesus puts it very simple. If you're not willing to give up everything, you're not making it. You've got to be willing to give up everything. And if you find that something is a hindrance to you, be careful. It will cause you a lot of trouble. It, you may even lose your salvation over it. You may think it's so important to you you may see nothing wrong, but it starts hindering you in your spiritual walk. And if that's the case, you're going to be weakened. Be careful. Jesus uses sometimes very strong words such as hate, though hate father and mother. If somebody doesn't hate father and mother, is not worthy of me. Did he want them literally to hate them? Or if they come in between what you should be doing, what choice you make. What choice you make. Now, Jesus, I think, intentionally uses some of those strong words so they cannot be easily glossed over and just smoothed out. Even so, it's not the will of your Father, which is in heaven, that one of these little ones should perish. And then he gives as a remedy to deal with things that cause offense. <clears throat> if thy brother trespass against thee, and later on he says, no, he says, oh, a trespass. Well, sin. Because later on, when Peter asks how many times he should forgive this brother that sins against him, he uses the word sin. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. And that's what Jesus wants. Sooner or later, we are going to do something, we are going to say something that's going to upset somebody, and sometimes very seriously. 
here is the way it should be handled in the church. And if you will not hear it, take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And that shows us again, shows that it got to be something serious. For two or three more to agree, yes, this is something, it's not a triviality. It's not something light. And then, if you shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man, as a publican. And that shows that it must be something very serious, very serious. Not a triviality, not something, well, you know, I taught this, and you said it because of this, and these intentions. We cannot, we cannot judge intentions. We are told not to judge intentions, but we are to judge in the congregation facts, things that can be proven. Only the Lord really searches the heart and knows the heart. And that's where it comes in, where we have to let the Lord search our heart. <clears throat> As David also says, search me, O Lord. Show me if there's anything wicked in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Show me. And that should be our prayer to show us, especially when there is a conflict coming up. Lord, show me what part I have in this, where I need to repent, so then I can help my brother. That's what Jesus meant when he said, cast first out the beam of, out of thy out before you go and seek to remove the moat in your brother's eyes. <clears throat> we have to be very careful that we don't slice it so close, that we don't insist on our own rights so much that it causes a lot of trouble, a lot of perhaps involvement of others even, or even talking about it and taking sides. See how the Lord looks at this? What would he say? <clears throat> and if he doesn't hear the church, let him be unto thee a heathen man and a publican. Disobedience to the church is reason enough for expelling somebody. It doesn't have to be a gross sin, but disobedience, plain disobedience, persistent disobedience, after all the recourse has been made, disobedience. And we see the authority that God bestows upon the church in that what they bind according to the teaching of Christ, when a church binds something, it is bound in heaven. And when they lose something according to the teaching of Christ, it is loosed in heaven. Such an authority God bestows upon the church. Sad to say that there has been a growing lack of respect and acknowledging of authority of the church as time goes on, as time goes on. It doesn't take much to notice it. it at one time, it used to be enough for an elder or a minister to tell somebody, don't go there, that's not good for you, or don't get involved in this. Now it's why, why not? Show me in the word show me, and then do it anyway. I remember one elder saying, God takes it very serious when you admonish somebody to be careful and he insists having his way. That's self-will, and that's what gives us the most trouble. Will, our will, and that's what God wants. Two or three are gathered together in my name. There I am I in the midst of them. And that doesn't mean just, okay, 
we get together, let's know. If we get together in the spirit of Christ, in a willingness of being subject to the teaching of Christ, that he may have his way, that he can have a part in it. <clears throat> now Peter thought he understood it it says, how, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? I forgive him till seven times. And he thought he was generous. Seven times. You know. Do we think that we are generous if we forgive seven times? If he comes again? I say unto you, not, I say not unto you until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Isn't that a comfort to us to know when Jesus said those things that our Father in heaven, which is way more merciful than we are, and then we come again and again and ask, forgive us. But we got to mean it. Because he searches the heart and the intents of the heart we got to mean it and really want to do his will. <clears throat> and if, if that was not sufficient, he gives now this, this example of <clears throat> the one servant that owed so much to, to the king And the king commanded that he should sell his wife, commanded him to be sold. That's he and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. And yet, because he asked him and begged him, he was merciful and forgave him all that debt. But the same servant went out and he found a fellow servant which owed him much, much less. And he demanded payment. And that fellow servant begged him, said, I'm going to pay it. And, and it was a possibility that he might be able to pay him because he was only 200 pence. But the other one that, that owed to the king owed so much, how could he ever pay that to him? How could he ever pay that to him? People have tried to figure out how much it was in today's currency, and so different numbers are given, but it was just almost an impossibility. <clears throat> but that was not the end of it. But he would not, but went and cast him in the prison till he should pay his debt. So how is he going to pay now the debt that he was in prison? And this saddened his fellow servants. And when the Lord found out, he said, I forgave you so much. Couldn't you have mercy also, your fellow servant? Now, in this parable or example that's given, <clears throat> it's intended that we put ourselves there and consider who is represented here by the king. But God forgave us so much that we never could pay. Never. That he was merciful. Salvation cannot be bought. It's just out of this world. And then should not we be merciful? He delights in mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. You want mercy? You think you need mercy? If you don't think you need mercy, then really check up. Really find out. And if you realize that you need much, much mercy, you better be merciful. You better be merciful. God is way more merciful than we can imagine. <clears throat> But in the last verse, that makes us think. And his Lord was wrought, he was very angry, and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him 
Could he? Couldn't. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother's trespasses. Well, for once, you will not receive mercy. But there is that issue about the tormentors. Your unforgiveness will torment you. It can even make you sick. It can harden you. And in the end, eternal perdition. <clears throat> I believe that there are cases where this is happening, actually, that they cannot forgive, they will not forgive, they hold grudges. Oh, yeah, I forgave, but I don't want to have anything to do with that person anymore. It bothers their conscience. It even affects their health. The Bible speaks about forgiving from the heart. That doesn't mean that we will forget. Only God really can say he throws our sins in the sea of forgetfulness. He can decide not to remember anymore. He can do that. But us, we remember. But our actions should be and not hold it against those that have trespassed against us. Not to hold it anymore against them. And that means to interact with them again, to deal with them. Yes, we know that they have failed. Yes, it's going to make us more careful, but we don't write them off. That might be an easy part. Say, oh, I don't want anything to do with him. <clears throat> That's not what God said when he forgave, when he adopted us as children, when he bears us in his arms, when he blesses us, when he allows things to come, to test us, to try us, that we may grow thereby. Just have to look at Jesus. For the joy that was set before him in bringing many children unto, many brethren unto glory, was willing to endure contradiction, was willing to introduce uh, slander, uh, hate, being spit upon, being tortured, all of this he was willing to bear for us, for our sake. Apostle Paul in one of the letters says, Forgive you one or others, even as Christ, God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. That put things in perspective. That's a very sobering thought, but a very helpful thought for us when we run into difficulties in our relationships. May the Lord bless his word. To him be all the honor and glory evermore. Amen. Brother, find a hand. Two hundred and one. <clears throat> First and two verses.
brother offer a prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word again that we have heard this morning. Father in heaven, we're thankful that thy word does reach everyone, for this is meant for all to hear, whether they be converted or not, whether they be ministers, elders, whether they be members, or even the first-time hearers. Father in heaven, thou hast a way with, with thy will, and that man would understand how we ought to live and how we ought to be. Father in heaven, we're reminded clearly this morning on pride and, and deceit and how we can easily de destroy our faith and walk and the way we think. Father in heaven, those warned us that we should be like children, not that we should play with toys, but that we should be humble like children and and forgive each other and love one another as thou hast loved us. Perhaps many times, Lord, we are reminded when we look into ourselves that we are proud and we pretend even to hide or even per perhaps even to think that we're not proud. But we see, Lord, according to thy word, when we match it to thy word, that we fall under the same category. As we have heard this morning that the flesh, is, flesh has not repented. Father, we pray that thou would help us to be humble like thou would in the things that we should father in heaven that we would build up the church and not destroy it or pull it down that we would father grow together in humility and in love and to forgive one another from the heart and this is important that it says from the heart not just words or perhaps oh I, I forgave him but I can't forgive him or I can't forget father in heaven this is something that we should all know without even perhaps being told but by just reading that word. Father in heaven, we're reminded also for those that are not here today, Lord, be with them, those that are sick, those that are old, those, Lord, that are finding life difficult, those, Father, that have cancers and illnesses. Father, we pray for those that do not have even work or a way to provide for themselves. Father, we pray that they would help them and help all the needy, for there are many that even our mind cannot think of how much need there really is. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the ministers that you have given to us that are faithful, that do bring forth thy word, and that teach us, Lord, how we should live. Father, we pray, bless them. Bless each of us, Lord. Be with the widows, the orphans, the destitute. Be with those, Lord, that are suffering. Father, we pray, we thank thee and praise thee for all thy goodness as we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Brother, request the
as long as we are here in this flesh, we're going to have to deal with offenses. And the Word teaches us how we should. And first and foremost is humility and mercy. And mercy. God gives grace to the humble. Blessed are the merciful. You know, a, a baby does most of his growing in the family. And it is in the church where the children of God do most of their growing. Especially when there is a close relationship, when there is dealing with issues, when the Lord is able to use the gifts that he bestows upon the church to use them effectively for those that are willing to be so exercised. May the Lord, in his goodness, in his grace and mercy, remind us where we tend to forget these things and that we may walk humbly with him. For in the Old Testament it says, <clears throat> He has shown thee, O man, what God doth require of thee, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. <clears throat> to him be all the honor and glory evermore. Amen. This concludes our service.